You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. I'm Corey Provis, reporting today from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri, on a beautiful Sunday, Twins and the Royals. About to wrap up this three-game weekend series, and so far it's been all Kansas City. Royals winning by one on Friday, winning by two. Last night, hopefully the Twins can salvage one in the series finale here today. The pitching matchup to wrap up this weekend series will feature Jake Odorizzi for the Twins and right-hander Brad Keller, Rule 5 pick. He will oppose today for the Royals. And it is great to have you along with us for the uh, program here today. This will take you up until about 12.30. Chris will have the pregame and then 1.15 first pitch as we will get this game underway. Twins at 44-52, and 52, the Royals at 29-68. and 68. A lot to discuss on our Sunday show today. And joining us over the telephone today, we always uh, welcome the Twins Senior Vice President and Team GM. Always great to catch up with Thad Levine. Thad, how are you? I'm doing great, Corey. Thank Great you to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for uh, joining us here today. Uh, your travels, how was first your All-Star break? Uh, it was terrific. It was terrific. It's uh, it's oddly one of the few weeks of the year where you can kind of step away a little bit and took the family to the beach in Florida, spent some great time with uh, dear friends from Texas. Uh, we had a house of 10, 10 family members, six children, four adults, and it was a little crazy. We're, we're now decompressing here on Sunday. I'd imagine too that uh, you're busy with family, but you can't leave your, your cell phone too far, right? During the uh, during the All Star break, you know that, that's that's the nature of the of the business right now, where you're, you're never disconnected, and uh, whether you're sitting by the beach, by the pool, or or uh, on a roof deck somewhere, either you're, the phone's near you, and you're you're texting, you're emailing, you're calling, uh, and staying very connected over this time as as things started to heat up, certainly over the the break. You know, we chatted with uh, Derek Falvey, Thad, on the show last Sunday before the All-Star break, and the question came up then and has to come up now as we're less than 10 days away from the trade deadline. And simply put, has the narrative changed from where the Twins were at last Sunday to where they're at today in regards to being buyers or sellers at this juncture? You know, I think we've been committed all along to doing good baseball deals. And, you know, as we did last trading deadline where, where we made some acquisitions for the now as well as some acquisitions for the future, I think our minds are opening to do the same now uh, at this trade deadline. Uh, we are very interested in we, – we have a, a number of players who are projected to be free agents, a lot of whom are drawing significant interest from other clubs. But the other side of that coin is that we do have a lot of players who are slated to be free agents, which is to say that we're going to have a decent number of holes to fill this offseason if all of those guys go to free agency. So we're cognizant of that. We have the opportunity to address some of those needs now. Uh, we'll be aggressive towards those ends. Uh, but it, So the focus right now is, is good baseball deals, whether that ends up really falling into the category of buying or selling. 
is maybe up for other people to interpret, but we're, we're focused on good baseball deals at this time. And how do you measure, too, based on what you saw from the Twins in August of last year? The trade deadline came and went. We saw some action there late, uh, acquiring Garcia. Then they flipped him uh, to the Yankees, got some players back. Kinsler traded and some other moves as well. And then, boom, August came, and the Twins were right back in it with a 20-win month. So you go back to last year and, and still what may happen in this August how do you balance what to do considering what happened uh, last August of last year? It's a, it's a great question. I, you know, I think we always want to be as patient as we possibly can. We believe very much in, in the talent we have in our, in our clubhouse. We are aware of, of those types of streaks you can go on, and I think we just try to do the best we can to look at the markers of the landscape of competition. Uh, you know, the, the landscape of the wild card competition is a little bit different this year as compared to last uh, when last year there was a little bit of a malaise after you looked at the, some of the behemoths in the American League, there was a bit of a drop-off, and, and we were part of that secondary group of teams. Right now there's a, a little bit more competition on, on the wild card side, and we try to really do an honest assessment of where we are relative to the Cleveland Indians. But one thing I can say is all of our moves are designed to either compete more in the now or compete more in the near term. I don't think we're looking three to five years out. We're looking at that window of time in the next few years where we believe that our core players will be maturing and really hitting their prime and that we're going to be able to complement our hitters with some you know, real quality pitching. We still have some work to do on that front, but our sites are most primarily set on trying to win the division. That's something that you have a little bit more control over rather than putting yourself in a position for a one wild card game. So that, that's our viewpoint at this time. Last one on this segment, then we'll move on and, and take a break and come back and talk much more about other things, Urban Santana, and also what's going on today with AAA Rochester. But but final thought on this, and, and it, it kind of goes back to the trade deadline conversation. Are, are you open-minded on everyone, or are there certain guys that you say no, that this guy is off limits, or is that not the case right now with the current personnel? You know, I, I think it's just a philosophy. We, we don't necessarily cut off conversations before they start. I think we would, you know, we have an obligation to our fan base, to our ownership, to our clubhouse to try to put together the best roster we possibly can. And if, you know, I, I don't think we look at it and say, hey, we're absolutely not willing to listen. I, I certainly could tell you we're not willing to start a conversation, including a lot of our players. But if someone wants to pick up the phone and make us an offer, we'll, we'll do them in the professional courtesy of listening and, and thinking about it. But I, I think there are there are a number of players, I think quite a few of whom you could probably predict and our fans can predict, that we really think are going to be part of a championship Minnesota Twins, and it would take quite a quite an act of the, the big guy in the sky for us to move some of those players. Right, we'll take a break, come back, and again, we'll get into Irvin Santana, also Lance Lynn, some other topics as well. Thad Levine is our guest. It's Inside Twins, our Sunday program. We'll take a break, come back, have more from Kansas City after this on your home for Twins Baseball. Your flagship home of Minnesota Twins Baseball, A3O-WCCO. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. It's made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis from Kauffman Stadium. Twins and the Royals coming up. What a bit more than one hour from now, it'll be Brad Keller for Kansas City and Jake Odorizzi opposing for the Twins. And our guest on our Sunday show, joining us over the telephone today, is Twins Senior VP and Team GM, 
Thad Levine. Urban Santana, Thad, we got some news. We have a date now when he's going to make his 2018 Twins debut. We're, we're ecstatic. You know, it's, it's been a long time in the making, and you, you look at what's transpired this season, and, and you figure how competitive we have remained where we didn't have the guy who was our number one starter last year, a guy who was a deserved uh, American League all-star last year, and here we are close to 100 games into the season, and he's, he's going to be making his first start. So for the, the work he's put in, the recovery, and the road of rehab, he's he's endured. I'm ecstatic for him. I'm really happy for our fan base that we're going to get to see him pitch down the stretch here. It's going to be a little bit of a work in progress as he's still kind of on the back end of what would have been normally his spring training regimen. I think we've seen the velocity uh, kick up a little bit with each start, his comfort zone with his slider and his changeup. But we feel it's time for him to come back to the big leagues, pitch up here, and hopefully give us a nice shot in the arm. And that will take place on Wednesday, wrapping up the uh, Twins and Blue Jays series. So Urban Santana's 2018 debut will come on Wednesday afternoon. That's a 3 o'clock game from uh, the Rogers Center in Toronto. With Urban, and you mentioned Thad Velocity, because there were some, there was some concern. It may still be some concern about the velocity where that was at during his two different rehab assignments. But were there reports that that velocity was getting back up to where it needs to be in order to compete at the major league level? You know, I, I think when, when we all look at his velocity and we see that he's pitching 88 to 91 on, on his rehab assignment, we recognize that that's, that's you know, a tick below where he had pitched normally last season. But when you talk to the pitching coaches, they really downplay the concern about that and say, hey, this, this is just part of the building up your arm strength that most guys would have gotten a chance to do in Fort Myers in spring training. He missed that opportunity. He's been going on a rehab assignment. He's probably getting close to that. They're, they're confident and optimistic that he's, we're going to start seeing the velocity come back. My guess is until we as fans see that and until Irvin sees that, there'll be some skepticism. But as long as the pitching coach experts are saying that they're not concerned, I, I will share their optimism. You know, last night, uh, Thad, we saw Lance Lynn struggle, a high pitch count. He walked six guys. His walk rate remains high. It's about six walks per nine. Second year coming off Tommy John. Last year, that walk rate went up first year post Tommy John and, and that's not all that surprising but are you surprised with the with the lack of command and how high that walk rate has been throughout Lance's season I, I think it is a little bit of a surprise no I, I do think in, in guys like Lance Lynn and Jake Odorizzi and, and other veteran pitchers I think you start seeing these guys being smart they don't they don't let the best hitter on the opposing team hurt them and so they have been prone to pitching around certain guys, and I think they're confident enough with guys on base that they can get out of innings. Uh, now, six, six walks per nine doesn't speak to that specifically, but I think that's part of his strategy. So I don't, I don't know that he's looking to necessarily diminish that number off of where he was last year or his career averages. Uh, but I do think uh, that command has been a little bit of, a, of an issue, and it's, been, and it's been more as we've watched him pitch. There's just been some really long at-bats where, uh, hasn't necessarily put guys away or there have been a lot of foul balls and then ultimately yield some walks. But the base runners, as a general rule, uh, have, have if they haven't bitten him in the caboose, it certainly has shortened some of his outings, as we saw last night when he only uh, ended up posting five innings. Did, did he profile as a guy that does generate lengthy at-bats with the amount of foul balls that, that we saw last night and have seen throughout not every start, but certainly a good chunk of his starts this season. Did he profile in that same manner as well when you were going through the process of signing him? 
Well, he did. He, you know, he, he's a unique pitcher in so much as he's really had such great success throughout his career uh, featuring a very high percentage of fastballs. So I think when you're throwing a similar pitch with similar velocity, uh, hitters can start timing that and they can start mishitting it, uh, and that can lead to some longer at-bats with a lot of, a lot of foul balls. Uh, he is one of the pitchers in the, in the American League right now who relies on his fastball most significantly, and I think that's a, that is a byproduct of, of relying that heavily on one singular pitch. Uh, we'll take a break, come back. A lot of minor league news to discuss. We mentioned Irvin Santana is going to make his debut on Wednesday. Alberto Mejia is going to start tomorrow night in Toronto. Why Mejia over Steven Gonsalves or maybe some others? And what Rochester is doing today with their rotation. Get Thad's take on that coming up when Inside Twins continues on your home for Twins Baseball. This is Byron Bush. You're listening to Twins Baseball on News Radio 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. I'm Corey Probus, Thad Levine, joining us on the phone right now. And, Thad, let's get to some minor league news first with tomorrow's pitcher. That's going to be Alberto Mejia for the big league club. And you go back, and when we found out that the Twins will need a starter for Monday with Jose going Tuesday, you think back to who that could line up with at Rochester, and that would have been and still is Stephen Gonsalves' day, he pitched well on Wednesday. Mejia went Tuesday and got knocked around a little bit. Why Mejia over Gonsalves for game one tomorrow night, Thad? You know, I, I think this, this season has been an interesting tale of two tastes. One is that our pitching staff in the major leagues, by and large, has, has been pretty effective, and our pitching staff at AAA has done extremely well. Uh, you know, our bullpen and our starters really have had very productive seasons. And a normal year where you would have, potentially more injuries or more vacillations in performance at the big league level. We would have seen some of those guys get more of an opportunity at the big league level. So the long story short is that I think we feel as if there are a lot of guys who are deserving down there to get real looks at the big league level. Uh, Adalberto Mejia is probably first on that list in terms of guys who've had some consistent performance down there. It's also now lost on us that he's out of options at season's end. So we're going to give him every opportunity to showcase his value at the major league level and see what, how he could factor into the 2019 Minnesota Twins and beyond. Rochester is playing as we speak, taking on Norfolk, and Rochester doing something for the first time this season, something that we saw often and discuss often when the Rays were in town, Thad, before the All-Star break, and the Rochester Red Wings today are using an opener to begin that game, and Trevor May, inning maybe two, and Zach Littell will follow May today. Why now, and how long has that been discussed uh, with the Rochester team, and, and will we see that with other minor league affiliates the rest of the way? I, I think the answer is yes. I think we're, we're, we're inquisitive as to how this, this could work out. I think so many teams have become so aware of the challenges starting pitchers have when they face a lineup a third time or certainly a fourth time through. Uh, one way to curtail that is to pull them earlier in the game and go to your pen. Another way to do it is what we saw exactly from the Tampa Bay Rays, which has cut it off on the front end. And if you accentuate it, you're then removing them having to go three times through the best hitters on the opposing team. And so I think it's something that we are open-minded to taking a look at. We've talked long and hard with, with Paul and Garvin Alston to get their, their thoughts. And I think the collective decision was let's wear test this a little bit in the minor leagues. Let's see how it works mechanically and see if it can be effective. And if it is, it may be something that we see trickle up to the big leagues at some point. But we're going to be thoughtful about it, 
Uh, and this is one of our first test cases. Does Zach Littell profile, and if so, what way? And how does he profile as a guy that would be used in this in this kind of spot today following Trevor May in his outing of maybe an inning or two? I think it's the perfect type of guy. You know, he, likes so many pitchers, once a batter sees him three and four times, you start seeing the advantage tipping towards towards the offensive players. And as I mentioned, in this instance, what we, what we allow for him to do is if he goes through the order three times, now he doesn't have to face the one, two, three hitters until the tail end of that, and we can even make a move on the backside of it. So we may see him miss three of the best hitters on the opposing team uh, for that third time through and rather have to go through the middle and the backside of their order the, the third time through first, which we think could be really advantageous for, for a pitcher like Zach Littell. Right, we'll take our last break, come back, and talk more about Sano and Buxton, other guys as well as we wrap up the show. Inside Twins continues next on your home for Twins Baseball. The radio home for Twins Baseball, 830-WCCO. minutes of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Back with Thad Levine. Some other minor league notes, uh, notes uh, to pass along on our show today, Thad. Miguel Sano back with Rochester. Was 0 for 3 last night. I believe he played the infield DHing today. Will that be the plan? Will Miguel bounce around a little bit? And also, will he play almost every day as when he was down with Fort Myers, he was playing about four days a week? I think that's a, one of the primary focuses here now that he's getting to AAA and knocking on the door and getting back to the big leagues is we are going to start uh, infusing him into the lineup with a lot more frequency, much more consistent with how he'd be used in the big leagues. So instead of playing four days a week, we're going to look at at least playing six and sometimes seven days a week. And we are going to rotate him a little bit uh, between the DH third base and first base where we think he can impact us in the big league level at, at all three spots. How does he uh, look from a from a just a physical standpoint, from a nutritional standpoint? Weight has he met, you know, those criteria when he was sent down? I, you know, I think this was a very challenging point in Miguel's career. He worked extremely close with Ian Kadish, who is our minor league strength and conditioning coordinator, and I think they did an excellent job together. Ian was exceptionally creative. He worked hand in hand with Perry at the major league level, devising a plan for Miguel. And to Miguel's credit, when he was down in Fort Myers. Uh, he was very committed, and we've never been really focused 100% strictly on just a weight and more on a feel for how how he is going to be able to bounce back and do the work he needs to do off the field to be able to play on the field. And I would say right now, according to Ian and the group down in Fort Myers, there's a lot of positive momentum for Miguel in that regard, and I think that's extremely encouraging. At about 45 seconds left, uh, any update on Byron Buxton? Has he resumed any baseball activities? Can he swing a bat yet? He, he is. He, he, he took some swings yesterday, uh, reported that he's feeling d- distinctly better, which is extremely encouraging for everybody because he was really swinging the bat well when he sustained this last injury. Hopefully he can pick up where he left off, and hopefully he'll be back in uniform on the field here in short order. All right, Thad, I always appreciate your time. Thanks for the insight today, and enjoy the game. Uh, thank you very much for having me on, Corey. Look forward to seeing you soon. You got it. That's Thad Levine. We thank him for joining us for our Sunday program. A lot of good insight there on Irvin Santana, who will make his Twins debut on Wednesday. Mejia tomorrow. Injury updates to Noah Buxton, also with the uh, Rochester rotation today. 
May starting, but Littell will follow Trevor down at AAA. We are just getting started on this Sunday afternoon. Stick around. The pregame show is coming up momentarily. Chris will have that. And then it's game three. Twins and the Royals. Twins need to win one to avoid being swept here in Kansas City. Jake Odorizzi today for the Twins at 4-6. and six. And righty Brad Keller, 2-4, and four, throwing for the Royals. We thank you for tuning in for Inside Twins. Stay tuned. The Adana Realty pregame show is next on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.